Here's what's coming up on today's show. The Secure Act 2.0 was passed in January, and it is still confusing to most people. Today, we're going to talk about five times the Secure Act could impact you, whether you're working, retired, or planning for your legacy. So listen in and find out what you need to know about the changes. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. Welcome into this edition of Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry and myself here to talk about some of the content changes, some of the changes that have happened within the Secure Act 2.0 uh, that passed earlier in the year. So we're going to chat about that this week on Retire on Your Best Path. And Liz is the founder and financial advisor at Best Path Advisors. So if you've got some questions, need some help, make sure you talk to her, reach out to her at bestpathadvisors.com. That is bestpathadvisors.com. Com. We're going to talk about these five points here within the Secure Act 2.0 changes because it's uh, the second version. They did the first version uh, kicking into right, going, going right into 2020, and then this one went uh, right in going into 2023. So we're going to work through some of these. But first of all, Liz, how you doing this week? You doing all right? I am very good. Yeah. I'm very good. And you sound like you're doing good, too. Yeah, so. doing a little better. We, we were going to chat last week, and I had a cold, so thank you so much for... Uh, uh, moving the podcast, it's uh, you know not, not not necessarily a good thing to have a conversation with someone that you can't understand them because they're all stuffy. <laughs> and, well, and, I was just hoping that a week later you would feel better, yeah. and we did certainly have the time. Yeah, for sure. So. You know, it is like between stuffy and sounding like Froggy from Little Rascals, right? It was not a good combination. Although I like that character, he was always fun, but you couldn't understand. He was fun, yeah. but you sounded like you had a horrible headache. Yeah, I did that as well, as well. But thank yeah. you so much. But I'm looking forward to chatting this week on this. I was looking forward to it last week, so decided, uh, excited, I should say, to dive in. Try to mix those two words together. Excited to dive in and talk about them. So let's get going here on number one. If you are still working, what is the changes they made here, Liz, to the special catch-up contribution? Uh, that's the thing when once you get over 50, right? Yes. So when you're saving to your 401k or your 403b, whatever company plan you have, right. and you hit age 50, you're allowed to put in a catch-up contribution so that you can get more money in. Uh, you know, Obviously, when you're younger, yeah. a lot of younger people don't have the ability to max out their contributions. So having this catch-up contribution lets you catch up yeah. on yeah. what you might want to be putting towards retirement. You're making well, more money, right? So you can put a little bit more yeah. away, hopefully. Yeah, and maybe you have less to do with the kids and all of those other expenses. So right. uh, the catch-up contribution this year is 7500 Everybody over the age of 50 can put in that additional 7500 mm -hmm. But beginning in 2025, if you're between the ages of 60 and 63, then you get to actually make a catch-up contribution of 10000 now is that I don't over, know why just those few years right do what I was gonna say is that over and above the seventy five hundred or is it moving that number from seventy five hundred to ten thousand moving that number okay okay yeah why those specific now, three years it's kind of interesting right it is but the the other thing to know is that if you are what they call a high earner mm -hmm. meaning you make more than one hundred and forty five thousand that's this year's numbers they'll inflation adjust that 
you're going to have to put your catch-up contribution in the Roth 401k or Roth 403b. That's actually also going to start in 2025. It was going to start next year, Mm -hmm. but the IRS is having a hard time getting everything in place for all of these massive changes in these two big laws. So they have pushed that out to 2025. Gotcha. Well, you know, I guess if you think about it, Liz, $7,500, so if we go with that number when you turn 50, right, so you can start Mm -hmm. catching up. So from 50 to 60, $7,500, 10 years, right? It's not bad. It's a good chunk of change. Mm -hmm. And then then three more years after that, 60 to 63, well, then you get to add an extra 10. So, I mean, I guess it's it's nothing to sneeze at. What's your takeaway from it? What do you think about it? I do think people should max out and do the catch-up as soon as they can. With these changes, you're going to have to plan ahead uh, because you need to consider whether you're going to need to be putting that into the Roth or or going to be forced to put that into the Roth portion, and that's going to change the tax impact. Mm -hmm. I prefer that people put it into the Roth uh, and plan for the tax impact of that, but you want to plan ahead so you don't have any surprises and you know what your uh, bottom line you know, tax impact is going to be. Gotcha. Okay. All the Secure Act 2.0 changes, and there was a lot of them. Uh, they kind of they put a bunch of stuff. Unlike the prior version, they put a bunch of stuff in there, and then they kind of spread things out. Like some of it came out immediately, some of it's doling out, you know, over a year, some of it over a couple of years. So you want to make sure that you're talking with your financial professional to see how it might relate to you. As Liz just pointed out, this was going to be a 2024 thing, but they pushed it back to 2025. Uh, let's go to number two here, Liz. If you are retired and are hitting our friend Mr. RMDA. Age. This one, obviously, this one was the big takeaway of what they pushed back. So let's talk about that a little bit. For the longest time, our required minimum distribution age was 70 and a half. And that required minimum distribution age, as you know, is that's the point in time that the IRS says you've had the money in this tax deferred bucket as long as you can without taking any money right. out. It's time to begin to pull some money out and pay taxes yep. on it. They say, gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> yeah. And so that was 70 and a half. Right. With the first SECURE Act that was passed in 2019, they had changed it to 72. Mm-hmm. They dropped the half, which was wonderful. Right. You know, that that's confusing. Uh, but then with this last SECURE Act, they moved it to 73 if you're born before 1960 and 75 if you're born 1960 or later. Right. And so that hasn't kicked in yet, right? Because obviously, you know, based on ages, right? right? So if you're turning 73 uh, this year, right, then obviously you need to get that done or or even next year. Next year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. They did leave the age for qualified charitable distributions at 70 and a half. And so you still have the opportunity to do those qualified charitable distributions at Mm. 70 and a half. And that allows you to get money completely tax-free out of your IRA and sent to a charity, no one ends up paying any taxes on those dollars. That's a good point. Yeah, Yeah. You still have that planning option should you like to go that route, even though you don't have to take your RMD technically now till you're 73. But what's what's the point of pushing all this back? Like, so if the government needs money, which they clearly do, Um, you know, what's the point of pushing these RMDs back? Because you'd think they'd want to go ahead and, you know, have their handout saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. I would guess that it's just because it's a chance for these accounts to get bigger. But I don't know. What do you think? I do think that that is part of it. Uh, They know they're still going to get it. A few more years is not going to make that big a difference. It could have, you know, again, they're going to have a bigger amount. But on the other side of it, Mm -hmm. they have changed the rules on the inherited IRAs, which we'll talk about next. And so I think it's a trade-off. 
um, look at what we're doing for you to allow you to wait longer and that lets you stretch this out over a longer life expectancy. But on the other side of it, they're going to get it much faster when it goes to the next generation. Yeah. Um, and point. so my takeaway, you had started to ask that on, mm-hmm. on, on this, you, you need to make use of those extra years that you have. You've got another one, two, three, four, whatever number of years before you're forced to take required minimum distributions, which means you have some more time to do the Roth conversion planning or other tax strategies that allow you to make uh, the most of low tax brackets so you can level out your taxes over your retirement years as opposed to, you know, suddenly realizing here I am and I've got big, big taxes. Um, So you want to make use of that. That's a good point. And, you know, that could be part of it too, right? So if you, now you do have more time, if you do some Roth conversions, well, you're paying the taxes then. So either way, they're getting the money, right? So right, they're happy. Right. They're happy either way, as long as they get some of that money. Uh, all right, number three, and you mentioned it: the inherited IRA changes. So, uh, if you have an inherited uh, deal, they obviously they eliminated this. This was the big gotcha, I suppose, in the first version yeah. of the Secure Act. Right, right, because you're no longer able to stretch an IRA over your lifetime if you inherit that from 2020 or later. Then you have this, and you're not the spouse. You know, you're a, right, you're right. a child a grandchild, uh, you're not disabled or underage. There's some there's some special categories where they can where you can still stretch. But right. most people, children, grandchildren that are going to inherit from uh, that IRA owner, they're going to have to pull all that money out within a 10 year period of time. And what we didn't know initially, but has become very clear is if the IRA owner was already taking their required minimum distributions, mm-hmm. then under what is called the at least as rapidly rule, you also have to be taking required minimum distributions in the first nine years and then completely close that out uh, by the end of the 10th year. Now, they waived those required minimum distributions for the those inherited IRAs in 2021, 2022, and 2023 mm-hmm. because they hadn't given any clear guidance. Gotcha. No one knew what to do. Yeah. Uh, so they have waived them, but uh, you just need to be aware of that. If it's an inherited Roth IRA, then there are no RMDs to take because the account owner never has an RMD. Right. So that's that's nice. You got to love the at least as rapidly as you can rule. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting. Yeah. And, and obviously this was the big deal, right? So like if you're if you're kind of thinking about this in, in um, simple terms here, let's say it was a million dollar IRA that you were leaving to your son or daughter. You know, they used to could stretch that uh, over many, many years as long as they really wanted to. 30, 40. Yeah, yeah right. And obviously you, you typically were leaving that in their peak years. Like let's say if we, have, we live a long life and we pass our 70s or 80s, our kids might be in their 40s or 50s, right? So they're probably in their high peak earning year. So it was, you know, it just gave right. them away, gave them away for them to be more tax efficient. But to your point, now you got to do it within that 10 year window. What's your takeaway on that whole thing? Plan for the timing of the distributions from your inherited IRA if you're somebody that is inheriting. Uh, and the surviving spouse also has a lot more to consider. Uh, so a surviving spouse needs to work with a financial advisor to know whether to take an IRA as an inherited IRA and switch it later or take it as their own because there's some nuances to how the required minimum distributions will work for that surviving spouse. Mm-hmm. But 
planning ahead for your heirs is also uh, going to be a key takeaway, just knowing how this works and thinking ahead for your heirs. Well, let's talk about that. That's number four on the list here. So if you do have heirs, right, obviously, you know, the Roth conversation is something that can be a part of that. But it, it seems to me like the whole Secure Act 2.0, Liz, was a lot of the changes in there basically said, hey, we're giving you some tools here, but you better plan, right? It right. seems like that was the kind of key message in there was, there's lots of ways for you to plan, so the onus is on you, get it done, kind of thing. And so what's your take on the air right. side of it? Right, exactly. And if you have that IRA, 401k, whatever, and you are you know you're not going to spend that on, you're going to have that big balance that you're going to leave, you know, the $1 million that you mentioned earlier going to a son or daughter, mm -hmm. you want to think about what is your tax bracket versus what the tax bracket they will have when they inherit. Right. And- Compare those to decide how much might you want to convert to a Roth because the Roth is tax free to them. They don't have to pay any taxes on uh, those dollars. So you want to you want to do some analysis beyond just your own lifetime and think that through the lifetime of the account, what taxes are going to be paid on that and how do you minimize that? Then you want to also consider what these new rules are when you're naming your beneficiaries. A spouse has more options if they're the sole beneficiary of an IRA. And finally, you need to review any trusts that have been written. If they were written before the SECURE Act and they're named as a beneficiary on an IRA or a 401k, then the language probably is going to force the opposite of what you intend because the rules have changed so significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've got to review all of those beneficiaries, especially trusts, do the updating that needs to be done to ensure that things are going to go where you want with the timing and flexibility that you want built into that. Okay. Well, let's talk about the fifth one here. And this is still kind of along that same line, which is kids or grandkids. But let's kind of start with the, they did some interesting changes with the 529s and stuff in, in the Secure Act 2.0. Talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, and I do like this one a lot. If you have a 529 plan for a child or grandchild and they have not used all the funds, you are allowed to, with significant restrictions, you have to have had it for a certain period of time and you're limited to the annual contribution amounts, but you can move money from that unused 529 to a Roth account for that beneficiary. Yeah, that's great. It's a great way that, to kickstart a fund for them, right? I mean, let them start a retirement account. That is an awesome way to get a retirement account started for them because with just the compounding of interest, if you get that into a tax-free Roth account when they're, say, 25, 30, 40 years later, no tax ever due on those monies, that's an incredible way to kickstart their, their retirement. Yeah. Yeah, and so that was a nice little surprise option. I don't think many people saw that one coming in there. Uh, so that was a good one there. And that way, because typically you would, what, if you had a 529 and you're, the one kid didn't use it, I guess you could roll that over and change the name to another kid, right? And you could have gone that direction yes. as well. But for those and of us pass like pass it my, down to their kids right, and, and right. continue passing it on or just cash it out. And if they had gotten scholarships, take, take the penalties, like, you wouldn't though, have right? a penalty. Oh, okay. The other thing that is interesting is... 
they've made some changes to the company 401k match rules so that if somebody is a young person and they have student loan payments, Mm -hmm. they can make their student loan payment and that can count as a retirement account contribution for the purpose of getting the 401k match. So they don't give up their company match, but they're still putting their dollars towards paying that student loan down. So those are That's those are some really good things. Yeah. So like if you were going to put $1,000, let's say, into your retirement account, but you can't because you got to make your student loan payment, the company you work for, if they have this option available or they're doing this, could choose to give you the, the, the company match, correct? Yeah. You could still benefit by getting the free company dollars into your 401k, not missing out on that part of it. Well, that's a great way to, I think, to yeah, dealing with the whole controversy of, you know, wiping out the student debt versus not. This is a way to just say, okay, here's a, here's an option and you still have that responsibility that you took on by taking this debt on, but it also still gives you a way to hopefully save a little bit for, you know, future self too. Yeah. And I would hate to have all young people miss those free dollars into their 401k plan. So this is a, this is a great benefit because you don't get to go back and get those free dollars in the 401k plan later. Right. Right. If you miss it, you miss it. So this, I certainly hope that all companies implement this uh, in their 401k plan so that anybody that has that situation can still get money going into their not miss out on that free benefit that the companies are providing to everybody yeah. else just because they have a loan. And is that one that is that one that immediately kicked in or is that one being uh, being started a little later? You know, as well? I I forget. And I didn't make a I didn't write that note down. I think that may be next year, but it might be twenty twenty five. These yeah, are me these too. are all phasing in. Yeah, me yeah. too. These are all phasing in things. So I think it was twenty twenty five as well. But as always, you know, again, there's so many changes, there's a lot of little nuance, so it's hard to keep up with everything. So if you do have those questions about it though, right, that's the importance of reaching out and talking with a finance professional so you can work through what changes have been made and how it's going to affect you. And that's that's what you're gonna do with that, Liz. You're gonna walk people through that scenario. Right. Yeah. The rules are confusing. So I encourage you that you either reach out to us, reach out to your financial advisor. You can also check our resources that we've got on our YouTube channel. Uh, We also have a lot of guides and checklists on our website. uh, So you can download those, have access to those, share those with your family, share them with your kids and your grandkids, and then look back at our previous podcast because we've had a lot of good uh, conversations. And of course, uh, subscribe to it because we're going to have a lot more yeah. uh, good conversations about these things. Yep, because we're here to help you be on your best path. That's what we want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a there's just it's never ending with the nuance that they put out there, is there? Uh, which is why you were just matter of fact, you and I were just chatting before we started this podcast that you were just doing some continuing education yourself, uh, always learning, always having to grow, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, folks. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. And as Liz said, you want to retire on your best path. So make sure that if you've got some questions, you reach out. Check out some of those resources that she referenced. Uh, You can find all that information online at her website, bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. And as she mentioned, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. Retire on your best path, as you can can type that in the search box of whatever podcasting app you like using, like Apple or Google or Spotify. But again, you can just find it all at her website. Make it easy. Go there. BestPathAdvisors.com. For Liz, I'm Mark. We'll catch you next time here on the show. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll see you next time here on Retire on Your Best Path.
The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed.